Good morning, Firewheel family. How's everybody doing? Y'all awake out there? Y'all ready to get your praise on up in this place? Well, my name is Adrian Pina. I am so glad to see all your faces. So grateful that you guys are here. Thank you for those of you who are joining us online. I'm reminded this morning, the scripture tells us that, uh, that this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So even if you have to combat the way that you're feeling today, tell your soul, like Timothy encouraged himself, that encourage yourself that I will praise God today. So let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer, so that way we can go ahead and uh, corporately lift up our voices and our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we are delighted to be in your house. We are grateful for the voices that we have been given to lift up as sacrifices of praise. You are the reason why we are here and we are gathered together to remember you today and to be able to collectively give a fragrant offering to you. But Lord, you know what we come in this place with. You know some people have smiling faces and heavy hearts. So Lord, I pray that we would encourage our own souls today that we will praise you because you are worthy. The very fact that we have breath today to give back to you, you are worthy. So receive this broken praise, Lord, because we love you, we adore you, and you are the only one worthy of it. In Jesus' most precious and holy name, we could pray. And all the saints of God said, Amen. Good morning, Firewheel. Everyone, please rise and join us in song this morning. Darkness tremble as our praises rise 
until the whole world hears what we are calling out. Lifting up your name for all to hear the sound. Like voices in the wilderness, we're crying out. As the day draws near, we'll sing until the whole world hears.
to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.
Hello, Firewheel, and good morning. Here are some of the things going on around here. Jam Moms, come bring the kids and hang out in the gym January 21st from 10.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Sip some hot coffee and chat with other moms as the kids play. Sunday, January 24th, there will be a parent-child dedication. If you would like to take part, contact Leah at firewheelfellowship.com by Sunday, January 17th. Name and picture due by January 18th. Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we have three Bible study classes. The class in the porch room is studying Philippians. The study is studying Acts. And the Bible study in the great room is going through Romans. Another way you can get involved is through serving. The worship team is looking for more musicians and audio-visual volunteers willing to use their God-given gifts and talents. Contact Kathy at firewheelfellowship.com if interested. More about what's going on around Firewheel can be found in your weekly email update, so be sure to check that out and stay informed on everything that is going on around Firewheel. And there is always the website, firewheelfellowship.com, and you can also find us on social media. Firewheel Bible Fellowship, how are we doing today? Nice. Hey, I want to introduce you. This is a, a good friend of mine. This is actually a brother in the Lord. His name is DJ. Everybody say hi, DJ. Hi, Firewheel. Um, you don't realize how absolutely funny this is and how much God has a sense of humor that DJ and I are standing on a stage together uh, and not in prison together. <laughs> so DJ, <laughs> DJ and I go way back. Uh, and in fact, DJ was the first person to invite me to church. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the funny part is I wasn't sober when I invited him to church. <laughs> <laughs> and neither That's was real. I when I asked. And... Um, <laughs> But we, we would go on Sunday morning, and uh, it was at where his dad pastored, where I first heard the gospel. And uh, I gave my life to Christ. And uh, DJ lives for the Lord. This is his lovely wife. This is Casey. Uh, now, my pastor and DJ's dad uh, is in the hospital. Um, and he, he has some complications related to some radiation treatment. And... Uh, Still in ICU? Is he out? No, he's out. He, he's out. Um, okay. Doing better, uh, but just a, a major uphill battle with cancer and uh, clogged arteries in his neck and a slew of things going on. Um, but doing a lot better. Uh, amazingly, completely there coherent, no, he, he had a stroke, had lock, lack of oxygen and blood to his brain, uh, just a miracle of God, really, that he is fully functioning, and, uh, but still a long ways to go as far as now fix everything and hopefully get on the right track as far as health and wholeness. Good. Well, <laughs> DJ and his family are on a cross-country drive, and they made it a point to be here this morning. So they left Florida. Was that two days ago? Oh, you have no idea. Two days ago. Um, two days ago. <laughs> and uh, just to be here this morning, and they're going to continue on in their travels to San Diego. And so we, as a church, we're going to pray over them, and we're going to pray uh, for the family and Pastor Larry. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much 
uh, for the miracles uh, that you bring about. Uh, testimony, uh, DJ and I standing here together. Uh, it's a miracle of you, God. We know that you've brought this about. We could not have brought this about. We were not headed towards you. We were running away from you as hard and as fast as we can. And you grabbed a hold of us and you brought us right to your heart. Uh, and Lord Jesus, you've saved our lives and you've given us these wonderful lives. And this morning we want to pray as a church and, and as a family over DJ and his family. We ask for Pastor Larry's life, Lord. We ask for healing. Uh, we pray for incredible wisdom for the doctors and for the nurses and for all those who are involved. We pray for restoration of his body. We pray for healing for the cancer. And we ask that uh, the artery that is clogged, that word, uh, you would divinely touch that, Lord, that it would be cleared. And uh, we ask for Larry's life, comfort for Holly and for all the kids. And uh, we pray blessings over DJ and Casey as they make that cross-country travel for the next couple of days. I pray that they make it there safely and are able to spend some sweet, sweet time uh, with their dad and mom and family. We ask this in your holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, and I'm going to ask DJ to pray over us as a church. DJ and his family, they're ministry-minded. They love the Lord very, very much. And so we're going to ask him to pray for us. Okay, everybody stand up. God, I thank you. Uh, <laughs> I thank you, Lord, that you take the foolish things of the world uh, and confound the wise, Lord. I thank you that makes me and Chris highly, highly qualified, Lord. Uh, God, I thank you for your amazing grace, Lord, that you are such a good, good daddy, Lord, that you chose us uh, when we were running from you, Lord. Uh, God, I thank you, Lord, that you honor hunger, Lord. I thank you for everybody in this room right now, God, that uh, could be choosing fear over faith, God amidst everything going on in the world, Lord. Um, God, I thank you that you fill those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, God. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that you just fill the people under the sound of my voice, God. I thank you, God, that you love us more than we even love our own children, which seems crazy, Lord, and that you... Uh, that much more, God, want to give us the amazing gifts that you have for us, the amazing things that you have for us, God. And so I bless this church, God. I bless this mighty man of God and this family that you have entrusted this flock to, Lord. And I just declare and decree over every single one of you blessings and that you would live in the abundance of the kingdom of God uh, in every area, in, in physical health, in faith, in joy, in peace, in love, in hope, even over your finances. God, I thank you that you are a good, good father, Lord. And I bless this church, Lord, and I bless my buddy and my friend, Lord. And I just declare, God, that this is going to be the most amazing year, God, that this church has ever seen, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Love you, homie.
Let's own this together. The words that the Lord put on my heart this week, in and through our, our wonderful leader, Barbara Brown, we were sitting and having a conversation and she was sharing in joy and in passion of these parents who have come along and come together as we look towards the future for our next youth pastor. And she was sharing the excitement and the passion that these parents have to invest in the youth ministry. And, and right in the middle of it, she said, let's own this together. And I stopped right there. I said, Barbara, that's it. That is it. That is the statement for this year. And we're going to talk about what does it mean to let's own this together. Because here's the reality. The church is not run by the staff. Okay? The church is, the church is not the staff that does the ministry. And we come as a congregation and we participate. No, we do this together. The Bible talks about together. The church is together. We love one another. We serve one another. We grow together. And so my encouragement is just go ahead and put this on your brain because I'm going to keep talking about it. Let's own this together. One of those ways we can own it together. Who has a cell phone? Hold it up. Come on, hold it up. I know you got it close. It's like an appendage. Okay, how many of you all have Facebook? Oh, whatever. Some of you do slash all of us, the billions of people who are on it. Um, what I want you to do is I want you to go onto your Facebook app as I start talking, and what I want you to do is I want you to go to Firewall Bible Fellowship, and I want you to share this service. Because there's probably people in your life right now who may just need a little bit of hope in their life. And they're probably just scrolling through their news feed, and they're probably doing their regular Sunday thing, got their pancakes going, and maybe, just maybe, God is going to grab a hold of their life and give them something that they need today, because we're going to talk about Jesus jumping in somebody's boat. And maybe Jesus is going to jump in their boat and in through this morning. And so if you have the opportunity, this is the one time I'll give you permission to be on Facebook during the service. And then secondly, I want to encourage us, when it comes to let's own this together, then that means we also, we are stewards of our resources. And one of the ways that we're stewards of our resources, we give our time and we serve. And another way that we are stewards of our resources, we give of our resources to support the work of the ministry. And so I want to encourage you, if you are a faithful giver and tither, I want to say thank you. And that is very, very clear and evident in your generosity. But every believer is called to be generous. And so I want to encourage you. Uh, you can give your support, your tithes online uh, through text message uh, and also through the boxes. And I want to encourage you to be good stewards. So let's say it together. Let's own this together. Can you all remember that? Let's own this together. One more time. Let's own this together. Thank you, B. Brown. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the experience. Open your Bibles or say word. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 is where we'll be. I don't know if you've had this experience where you were just going along in life. And all of a sudden, Jesus jumps in your boat. And he gets all up in your life. Y'all notice the boat in the auditorium this morning? Of course there's a boat. And Jesus just shows up. And that's what we're going to see this morning. Jesus is about to jump 
and to the boat of a guy by the name of Peter who will never be the same again. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked them to put out a little from land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. When they let down the nets, they enclosed such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking they signaled to the partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For they and all who were with them were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. So they pulled their boat on shore and left everything, and left everything, and left everything, and followed him. This morning, this message, Lord, in my hands, five crusty loaves of bread, two stinky fish, but in your hands, blessed and broken, provides a meal for each one of us spiritually to leave satisfied. So you, uh, the divine uh, Savior, and you, the one who abundantly blesses, take this message and use it for your divine purposes. We pray in your name, Jesus. So we catch up in the Gospel of Luke with Jesus standing on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, most likely near the sea or town of Capernaum. What seems on the surface like another day, a regular day in the life of ministry of Jesus becomes one of the most significant days in the life of four fishermen. They don't know it yet. But Jesus is about to get in their boat, and their lives are forever going to be changed. Luke 5, verse 1, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee. Here are some contemporary pictures that I scrounged up on Google. Uh, here's the beach right there at Capernaum. Uh, you can stand there on the shore. We got another picture from another vantage point. You can kind of see how it creates like that natural amphitheater. Well, today it's a resort, uh, but centuries prior, this is where Jesus taught and preached in the open air. And we're told that Jesus attracted a crowd. And, and why had the crowd come? Well, they had come to hear the word of God taught. And that is my prayer this morning, that we have come to hear the word of God taught. With so many people, though, on the beach, Jesus was not able to effectively teach the crowd, and so he got into one of the boats that just happened to be parked on the seashore. And now what seemed like a, a coincidence of convenience or a convenient coincidence is actually something far more significant. Because Jesus isn't just going to get into anybody's boat or somebody's boat. 
In fact, he's going to get into a, a, the boat of a very specific person, and that person's life will be forever changed. And family, that's exactly how it happens. We're just going about our lives. And then Jesus gets into our lives. And all of a sudden, everything changes. Verse 2 through 3, And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had got out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into the boats, which was Simon's, he asked them to put out a little from land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. I mean, Peter must have been stoked this morning. I mean, can you imagine? He's like, Jesus is in my boat. Like, that's a total selfie moment, right? Like, hashtag Jesus in my boat. And, and he's, he's sitting there and he's rowing out and Jesus is teaching. And it's one of those moments where he's like, I'm never going to forget this. He didn't realize this was just the very beginning of the journey. And as you uh, can imagine, Peter just enthralled in what Jesus is teaching. I mean, can you imagine can you imagine sitting with Jesus as he's teaching? But when he's finished teaching, he turns to Peter, which really seems to be the plan all along. Jesus, in fact, had plans and purposes for Peter. Greater plans and purposes than Peter had for Peter. Plans that were better than any other person had for Peter. In fact, plans and purposes that were beyond Peter's ability to map out. And I can assure you today that the Lord Jesus has plans and purposes for you that are greater than any plans or purposes you have for you. They are better than any other purposes or plans that others may have for you. They are beyond your ability to map out on paper. But before all that happened, Jesus had to catch some fishermen. Verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. You know, Jesus here is not interested in, in what's biting in the Sea of Galilee. Now, in fact, he is, he is setting out to catch Simon Peter's heart and he was going to do it in such a way that there would be no mistake, without any doubt, God had a plan for Peter. Jesus has a way of doing that. He has a way of grabbing a hold of us in such a way that there's absolutely no doubt that it's him, that we are being called by him. But Peter objects. It's kind of a reasonable objection, actually. He'd already let down his nets. In fact, Andrew, uh, Peter, James, and John had been fishing all night and had caught nothing. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of fishing all night and catching nothing. Uh, verse 5, and Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. I can relate to that. Last trip to Galveston, two weeks ago, I fished every night. Caught nothing. Not a single fish. Oh, not, I caught seaweed. I caught a lot of seaweed but no fish. And so Peter here, he raises this very reasonable objection. He's like, look, I, we fished all night. It's the wrong time of day right now. The moon's not in the right place. There's like a low pressure system going on and I'm kind of tired. We've already done this. And, but what I see here is Peter, he first objects. 
but then he obeys. And there's times in our life where we will first object, but then in spiritual sanity we obey. Listen to these words of Peter. But at your word, I will let down the nets. You know, family, there's a real simplicity to the spiritual life. And it's summed up this way, but at your word. Yes, we're going to have objections at times and doubts and questions, right? Like, Lord, I have my plans, but at your word. I have my limitations, Lord, but at your word. It doesn't make any sense, Lord, but at your word. I've already tried that, but at your word. (laughs) I just plain don't want to, (laughs) but at your word. And in that very moment, as Peter and Andrew lower the nets, Jesus called a school of fish the size of a school bus that came rushing through the waters right as the nets hit the water and immediately began to shred the nets in their hands. And it says in the text that they began to to signal to their partners, verse 6, and when they had done this, they enclosed such a large number of fish and their nets were breaking and they signaled to their partners. What do you think the signal was? Hey, uh, James, John. They were both like, oh, James, John, get the other boat. Oh, we got the Right? Can you all imagine that? You ever seen a fisherman catch fish? They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come help, and they came and they filled both boats. Listen to this. So they began to sink. I mean, they literally could not squeeze another sardine into that can. But it was right then. In that very moment that Peter knew. In and among the boat filled with flopping fish and nets and chaos and shouts. Like Peter knew at that very moment that Jesus was no ordinary man. Jesus had power. Real power. And Peter knew at that very moment he was in the presence of holiness. And and like all of a sudden, Peter began to feel undone and vulnerable. Like those dreams, you know those dreams where you show up at school or you're like in a board meeting or you're at church and all of a sudden you look down and you're the only one not wearing clothes? I mean, totally Peter felt exposed. And he felt dirty. Like spiritually, not like physically dirty. I mean, he was already dirty. He was like covered in fish stuff and all that. Yes, he was dirty, but no, like, he, like in his soul. When we come into the presence of Jesus and we finally see him for who he really is, not just some religious teacher or like religious figure, but the true Jesus. When we come into the presence of the true Jesus, holy and powerful and pure God. In that moment where our sin is exposed, there's like this wave of like almost fear. 
and we realize that we are, we are not pure and unworthy to be in his presence, verse 8. But Simon Peter, when he saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees like right in the midst of the fish. And he's saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. What is Peter crying out here? Unworthy. 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 I am unworthy to be in your presence. We really struggle with unworthy, don't we? Because somewhere along the way, we've gotten two words confused. We've gotten unworthy and worthless confused. We've gotten the word unworthy and worthless confused. No, before the Lord in and of ourselves, we are not worthy. I'm not worthy of grace. But that doesn't make me worthless. Yes, Peter was a sinful person just like all of us. He was not worthy, but, or he was not worthy of the Lord, but he had worth and value. Loved by God. And Jesus had plans and purposes way beyond anything Simon could think of, beyond his spiritual mess. And did you know Jesus has plans for you and I? Spiritual mess and all. Here's something we need to be reminded of. Who went looking for Peter? Who got into Peter's boat? Do you think Jesus knew what he was getting into when he got into Peter's boat? I mean, look at this boat. It's all beat up and dinged up. Isn't that like our life? Jesus knows what he's getting into when he moves into a person's life. Jesus does not ask us to clean the house before he moves in. And here's what's interesting. Once Jesus moves in, he does not task us with cleaning up the house. That's his job. He brings about the spiritual renewal. But Jesus is fully aware of what he's getting into when he gets in our boat. He is the one that has made the commitment to make us new. I have heard people share very honestly, Chris, if you only knew who and what I am, you would know that I could not be forgiven. There's no way. I was sitting with a soldier who'd come back from war. Tears streaming down his cheeks. There's no way I could be forgiven. Jesus is not surprised by what he finds in our life. He is not turned off and he is not afraid. There is nothing that we have done. There is nothing that we struggle with. There is nothing that we carry with us that Jesus can't handle.
We just need to be willing to give it to him. And he will take it all the way to the cross. And it wasn't just Peter who was being absolutely rocked by this experience. Look at the other fishermen, verse 9. And for he and all who were with them were what? What is that word? Astonished. Isn't that a great word? They were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. I love the word astonished. Do you want to know what it means? Greatly surprised, amazed, impressed. Of course they were astonished. It was astonishing. When Jesus moves in power, it is astonishing. It is awe-inspiring, mountain-moving, stronghold-lifting, faith-restoring, life-raising, soul-healing power on display. You better believe it when Jesus moves in power, it is astonishing. If we are not astonished every once in a while, we're not hanging out with Jesus. And don't be amazed what Jesus can do with fish. You should see what Jesus can do with a life. He's about to transform these men's lives and chart a whole new trajectory for them. Family, we have no idea. You have no idea what Jesus can do with your life if you will just simply turn it over to him. And when we do, I love what Jesus says to Simon. Don't be afraid. You know, some people at times talk about Jesus in such a way that it scares people to approach him. They talk about Christ. And they talk about the judgment to come. And they've somehow forgotten the mercy and grace that draws a heart. He is the most loving and welcoming person on earth and in heaven. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men, which is a very odd statement, it's very vague. You notice Jesus does not give Peter a detailed itinerary. Uh, you're going to be catching people for the kingdom. And, and here's the deal. When, when Jesus calls you not only to salvation, but when he calls you in your life to purpose and plans that he has for you, he's not going to give you a detailed itinerary, which would be really nice, wouldn't it? Do you ever sit there and just go, hey, Lord, could you just send me an email? Like a text message. I know data and messaging, uh, uh, the cost may apply, but that's okay. I don't know what a text is from heaven, but I, I'll pay the cost. Like, just let me know. <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? Yes, he has plans and purposes, but one of those plans and purposes is to develop our faith. And so he's going to put us in circumstances and situations that's going to do that. Just develop our faith and grow our faith so that we become more faithful and full of faith. So that when we begin to walk out those plans and purposes, we're walking it out in his strength and not our own. I love that he calls fishermen. It, like, it totally makes sense to me, because fishermen are crazy. <laughs> they are. 
they will fish all day, all night, just for the chance of catching a fish. And once they catch one, you want to know what a fisherman's first thought is? Let's catch another. <laughs> a fisherman will travel all over the place looking for a good fishing spot. And a fisherman will stay at it even when they catch nothing. But when they do, they will stay at it. I'm going fishing this, uh, this afternoon, so if you could just say a word of prayer. <laughs> Sorry. But doesn't he know what he's doing? Because he knew that these fishermen, they were going to stay at it. They were going to stay at the Lord's work. They were going to stay at the kingdom work. And they were going to fish. And they were going to take the gospel. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were going to take it to the world. He knows what he's doing when he calls you. And I love the two words that sum it all up. Follow me. And that's where it all begins. Follow me. Luke 5, 11, And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left some things. Just Well, they kept some things. And, um, well, they, left most, they, they kept most things. And then they followed him. What does it say? I don't, what does that word mean? What does everything mean? It means the boats, the nets, the massive haul of fish. And if you don't think that's a big deal for a fisherman to give up a massive haul of fish, you don't know a fisherman. The business, the plans, their purposes, they left everything. Jesus, God, and their, I'm going to try this. Oh, this could go bad. Okay. So glad that worked. Have faith. Jesus got in their boat. They left their boat, and then they got into Jesus' boat. They left everything. They absolutely left everything to follow him. And I love... I love that they followed. And truth be told, I don't think it ever crossed their minds not to. I mean, sure, later they're going to have doubts and they're going to have fears and there's things that are going to go wrong and, and they're going to have questions and struggles and they're going to fail and fall short. But I don't think they ever thought twice about following Jesus. I think it made all the sense in the world to them. I can't explain it but I can really relate to it on a personal level. Because I can remember the day. Like as clear as this moment right now, like I can remember the day where I heard Jesus call me. I was standing in front of El Camino Christian Fellowship in Encinitas, California. I was talking to Ryan Ford, who was like the youth pastor slash custodian slash coffee brewer slash... You know what, he did everything. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him and I'm like, okay, Ryan, I feel like I'm being called. Like, I feel like the Lord is calling me to follow him. And there's this road that I've been walking and I, this is the direction I've been going with my life. But I feel like it leads to death. But then there's this road and I feel like Jesus is calling me, but it's scary and I don't know it. And I don't know what it's going to mean. And I don't, and what's down that road? And he, he looked at me, he's like, well, which one are you going to choose? 
And I was like, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to follow Jesus. Honestly, it never crossed my mind not to. It just didn't. I'm going to follow Jesus. And I have. Very imperfectly. It's been a me very messy following. No, I don't deserve to stand up here. In and of myself, I do not. I do not have the right. It is truly an expression of God's grace. And you know what? I followed Jesus. I followed him right into the church and then right into the baptismal uh, pool. And, and then, then right into marriage because I was 22. Madeline was 19. We got to figure it out. We're going to do this. Jesus is at the center. It's going to be smooth sailing, right? Then we, we followed. <laughs> She's still laughing. Well, it's that or cry. And then we followed him right into Bible school and then right into seminary and parenting. Whoo! We read a book or two about parenting. We were ready. Parenting and then right into this, this church called Firewheel Bible Fellowship in Rowlett, Texas. Praise God. Yeah. And I, I'm telling you, I didn't even know DJ was coming until two days ago. I had already kind of thought through what today was going to be all about. I didn't realize that God was going to connect us all together in one Sunday morning. Yay, Jesus. And still to this day, if you were to ask me, Chris, why do you follow Jesus? Because he called me to. It's a pretty simple reason, right? It's not because he told me it's like he's going to give me a bunch of stuff or that it's going to be all smooth sailing, everything's going to be better. No, he actually told me it's going to be harder. Why would you do that? He said it's going to cost me. And at some point in time, it's going to feel like I'm carrying a cross. And that somehow I had to be crushed so that he could be glorified. And that it was going to mean weakness and surrender. But somehow, it never crossed my mind not to. And no matter how hard it gets, it never crosses my mind not to. So are you ready? Are you ready to get out of your boat and get into Jesus' boat? That's where we pick up next week. So I have a few spiritual recommendations for us. Please do not walk out of here without making some level of a spiritual commitment to apply something that we've talked about to your life this week. Uh, first spiritual recommendation, but at your word... All night they fished, they caught nothing. But when Jesus called Peter to go out into deeper water and let down the nets, it didn't make sense. It was the wrong time of day. The moon was wrong. <laughs> but he did it. But he did it. He objected, but he obeyed. And I got to believe that there are some things that the Lord is calling us to do and to you, for you to do, and maybe for you who are watching this, for you to do right now, and you're like, I've got all these objections. 
It's not the right time in my life, and, 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 and things aren't squared away the way I'd like them to be financially, and, and maybe, maybe in the future when I get some more things, that's when it'll happen. And, but at your word. But I really want this more than anything. It, it's, it's just going to satisfy. It's going to make me all the while the Lord's going, that's not going to satisfy you. That's really an idol. But I want it more than anything. Yeah, Israel wanted their idols more than anything, but it was their death. And if I gave you this, I don't know if I'd ever get you back. I don't want to let this go, but at your word. I just plain don't want to. But at your word. So the question is, what is Jesus calling you to do? Not someone else. Don't be looking at somebody else and be like, I think Jesus is speaking to you this morning. <laughs> you hear what Pastor Chris said? Oh, don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's online. When we get home, I'll replay it for you. <laughs> but please do not tell me that Jesus does not have plans and purposes for your life because that's inconsistent with what the Bible teaches. Secondly, Jesus knows what he's getting into. Some of us act like Jesus gets into our life and he's surprised. He's not surprised by the mess he finds in our lives. And here's the thing. The things that we think Jesus is most concerned with, like we think about the surface level behavioral stuff and we think that's what Jesus is focusing on. He's not. Those are symptoms. He wants to drill down to the heart and like cellular level of our lives and bring about spiritual renewal in us. Here's something I want to I encourage you. Last week I talked about uh, like, like spirituality that seems like spirituality, but it's really self-reliance. I'm going to add to that. Because moral and ethical, moral and ethical, we can do that all by ourselves. We do not need Jesus' help to be moral or ethical. What we need is Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit in us, and he will bring about the spiritual life through us that when we walk in the Holy Spirit, that the things of the Spirit will be brought about in our lives. It is not your job to get your house in order. Jesus enters into your house, and he's going to get it in order. And he's going to kick some stuff out of the house that you really, really like, and he's going to bring some stuff into the house that's going to make you uncomfortable, but it's going to bring about a greater sense of holiness in your life. But, guys, he knows what he's getting into. And he does it willingly. And then finally, when Jesus shows up in your life and he calls you, and maybe he's calling you this morning, follow me. Are you willing to get in the boat? I mean, not this one. Please don't get in this one because I don't think it's going to stand. That was really rocky. But are you willing to get in the boat with Jesus and follow him? No, you have no idea where this boat's going. You have no idea where he's going to take you. He's not going to give you a detailed itinerary. 
You wouldn't understand it even if he gave it to you. But I do know that he has plans and purposes for each one of our lives if we only surrender. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. We thank you for your wonderful blessings and your gifts and your leadership and our salvation. And our life is caught up in you, Jesus. Father, we worship, we love your son. Father, we love you. You are our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. Holy Spirit, move. Bring about the spiritual life in us. Lead us to the miracle of surrender. This morning, if you feel that the Lord Jesus is calling you, calling you to salvation, to believe in him for the first time, calling you to follow him, calling you to lay down an idol, to call you to get in the boat. If you feel like the Lord is calling you this morning in the quietness of your heart, and maybe even where you're sitting, just put your hands open in front of you. Lord Jesus, here's my life. I want to entrust it to you. I have fears and anxieties and worries, but Lord, I want to entrust my life to you. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were buried, and I believe that you have risen, Lord Jesus. Please save my life. Please take my life and, and lead me. I desire to follow you. I believe that you have plans and purposes for my life. Far exceedingly greater than my own. I entrust my life to you. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, family, let's stand together. Stretch. Come on, let's give the Lord a wave offering. Isn't that good? Can y'all believe I brought a boat in the auditorium? <laughs> yes. Now go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all till we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, you are loved. And if you join me on Facebook Live Monday morning, I will be fishing, but I love you. And I will see you Wednesday. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.